Well, those of you know, uh, you know, I, I get an opportunity to preach every now and then. And uh, so I want to use this opportunity to kind of brag a little bit. But on Fridays, my wife and I get to watch our grandson. Yeah, uh, he is, uh, he's a ton of fun right now. He just turned 11 months old on Thursday and we got to watch him on Friday and he's a ton of fun. And as I was watching, you know, we, here's a picture of him, but as we were watching him, I, I just, I thought to myself, you know, I get the opportunity today to come on, come on stage, have this big screen and kind of share this story with you of my grandson. I thought, man, if there was only a way in our culture, in our society, if there was a way that we could capture pictures and share them with others. If there's only a way that we could, you know, talk about the things that we like and that we don't like, or, or you know, when we're eating food, taking photos and sharing that with others. If there's just, if there's only a way, <laughs> there is a way. <laughs> you guys know there's a way. Americans love to share. Um, not just around the world, but in the U.S. only on Facebook. We, there are 223 million users on Facebook. That's almost 70% of our population. YouTube, although it gets used more than Facebook every day, there's 201 million users. Instagram, some of you are like, I don't even know what that is. Uh, it's owned by Facebook. You get 107 million users. Uh, I know some people get their news and updates. I know when I want to know what's going on at the church, I actually, the first thought when I'm like, hey, what are the announcements? What's coming up? My first thought is I'm going to go into Instagram and check the church's page. So just to let you know, that's like something that we do. Snapchat, some of you don't know what that is. My son was without cell phone service for a year in college, and he communicated only through Snapchat with his mother and myself. And so I became uh, someone who uses Snapchat. Actually, I use it mostly for the ESPN updates on SportsCenter. So we have millions of users around the U.S. who love to share stories. Some of you are asking complete strangers where to go, where to eat, what to do, how to decorate your rooms. You're posting pictures. You're talking about what you like and what you don't like, mostly what you don't like, but you're talking about these things. We love to share. And I was thinking through looking at my posts going into this message, and I was thinking, as I scrolled through and looked at the things that I post, and I don't post very often, but you know, looking through the last week or two, what, what, did I, what did I post? What am I talking about? Grandson was one of them. Um, our, my growth group uh, was another. Um, our motorcycle rides that we've been doing on Tuesdays. But I asked myself this question. If people were to look at my stories that I share, would they be able to tell that Jesus is the center of my life? That's a good question. For some of us, it might be, ouch. Would they be able to tell, if you were to look at your social media, what you share, what you're passionate about, would people be able to tell that Jesus is at the center of your life? And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a disciple of Jesus, that means you are a follower. You have at some point in your life made him Lord of your life, meaning every thought, every action, all that you do, you have communicated, you have decided that Jesus is the one who is the driving force behind all of that. Man, if that's the case, does it show up? Do people know this? Even the individuals that you're praying for, and the individuals that you're meeting with, that you are trying to bless, are they familiar with who 
you follow? Or would they know that you're, would they even be able to identify you as a disciple of Christ? It's a great question. And I think that as a church, we talk about being radically loving and growing together in Christ. And radically loving means that God at some point was so radically loving that he sent his son Jesus to die in our place for our sins and then rose again that we might find forgiveness and that we, like him, might overcome sin and have new life together with him in the promise of eternal life and that he lives with us each and every day. What could be more radically loving than to want to have those that are wandering and lost have the same experience that you and I have. To see them come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord. Now, it's easy for us to begin to pray for them. It might be easy uh, for us to listen to them and build relationships. For some, it's a little bit harder. It might be easy to invite them over for dinner and to eat with them. It might even be easy for you to serve alongside them. But when it comes to this last part, of sharing your story, many of us have a lot of barriers to that. We're embarrassed, perhaps. Maybe we wonder if they're going to reject the story and reject us. For some people, uh, the barriers are, I don't know enough about the Bible. Or what if they ask me questions that I'm not able to answer? Um, what if my life is not the example that it should be of a disciple? And so we have these barriers to wanting to share the story of Christ because we think it's his story. But what I want to do today is to share a story in John chapter 9 that hopefully will break through some of those barriers and help us to understand that our story, our story of coming to experience Christ, when we share that, which is very powerful, it's personal, it's persuasive, when we do that, we are sharing actually God's story. And if there's nothing that you take away today other than this, this is what I want you to remember. That sharing your story, that is your experience with Jesus, of coming to know him as your Lord, sharing your story is in fact sharing God's story. People get to hear the difference that God can make in their lives through you. John chapter 9. Now, John uh, describes for us that Jesus was with his disciples and he was somewhere near Jerusalem. And in John chapter 9, we pick up verse 1. It says this, As he, that is Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. He was going through blindness and in his present state because God wanted to show up in a powerful way and show what he could do. Now, for many of us, we're wondering why this question of his disciples of who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind. Most of us don't, don't think when we see somebody who's born blind, our first thought is, oh, they must have sinned. The, the Jewish culture, though, was that if you were obedient to the commands of God, your life would be good. If you sinned, there are consequences, and certainly there are consequences, and sometimes we do pay the price for our sin, our personal sin. Sometimes we are affected by the sins of others. 
But in this particular case, Jesus says, yeah, but in this particular case, this isn't about who sinned and who didn't sin. This man, although he is blind, he is in this situation so that God can show up and prove that he has the power to change lives. And I think sometimes when we look at others, maybe even ourselves, we, we are frustrated with what we're going through. We see others who are caught up in addictions or need healing. They're going through struggles and maybe they're living in poverty and, and we're thinking, oh, if they would only do this, they could get out of it. If they, would, if they would only straighten up, if they'd only quit this addiction, then their life would be good. And sometimes I think people... God is waiting for an opportunity to just show up and do something that only he can do. And that's true in your own life. If you're going through a very difficult time, if you're struggling right now, here's the thing. The only thing that is in common with every miracle that Jesus did is they all started with a problem. That if you are going through something right now, you are ripe for a miracle, for God to transform and bring about change. And Jesus is communicating this with his disciples. This man is going through this blindness so that I might do something powerful. After saying this, he spit on the ground, he made some mud with the saliva, he put it on the man's eyes, and he said, go, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and he came home seeing. He'd never seen in his life. He came home seeing. This is the power of God at work. And this is the first part that I want us to understand. Sharing your story, your experience, reveals the power of God that's at work in your life. For some of us, like myself, I grew up in a church environment you know, you hear these stories and these testimonies of people who were in these horrible situations or they grew up in addiction or they, they had all of these struggles and then God delivered them, maybe God healed them from something powerful and we still hear those stories. As a matter of fact, tonight we have baptism and one of the individuals tonight, their story is that God physically and mentally has healed them and they are a follower of Jesus Christ because of that today. God still moves in mighty ways. We hear those stories and we think, oh, that's powerful. And then there's some of us, like myself, that I kind of grew up in a decent home and I went to church every week and I knew about God. And making that step and that decision from knowing about God to knowing God, it sometimes doesn't feel quite as radical that maybe our story isn't as good. But the scriptures tell us that there's not one of us, not one of us, that doesn't need the power of God to bring us to Jesus, <laughs> that, that we don't need Jesus in our lives. There's no one that one day was so good that all of a sudden they were rightly connected with God. Every single one of us has been born into sin. We needed Jesus to leave heaven, come to earth, die for our sins on the cross, come back to life and ascend back into heaven for us to have the change that we have in our lives. That's a powerful story. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 2. As for you, he says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. All of us, he says, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. We were separated from God. All of us, no matter what our background is, 
Paul would say in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all need the power of God to work in our lives through Christ. And that's what he does. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. Even before we knew it, even before we asked for it, Christ came and paid the price for us. And it is by grace you have been saved. Paul would go on to say, so that no one can boast. This isn't something that you have done. This is something that God has done. And when you learn to share your story, you don't have to be embarrassed about it because it's not something you have done. It's not something that you have made up. It's something that you can communicate to say, hey, look, I don't know how all this works. I just know that God did a miracle in my life. And I was here or I was over there and now I'm here. My life has been changed. It's the radical love of God. If for some of us, we struggle with, well, what did he actually do, right? People will ask, you know, is it, you know, we use these big phrases like regeneration and justification, meaning we were made new and we were made right with God. And then there's sanctification, which is being set apart for him. And there's all these words and we think, I'm not really sure if I can find all those verses in scripture. And I don't know if I really know what all that means. But let me just say this. Some of us got to church today or you'll, you'll go somewhere tomorrow and you'll use a car, you probably can't explain everything as to how the car works. You know it has these things called pistons and you put gas in it and it's got an engine and wheels. That might be as far as you go. You might not know how the windshield wipers work, right? But when you sit down with someone for lunch or you're gathering together with them, you might go, well, this morning I was there and then I got in a car and because of the car, I'm now here. I don't really know how all it works. I just know it does. And I think for those of us who have had a radical change in our lives, we don't have to explain all of it, but our life is the explanation. Hey, I once was there, but now I'm here. And the only reason I can explain that is I met Jesus. He did something in my life. And people will want to know, what was that? How did he do that? This is what happened to uh, the young man who was blind and could now see. His story was not only powerful, but it was personal. Watch this. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging said, uh, isn't this the same guy who used to sit here? And some claimed that he was, but others said, no, he only looks like him. He's a doppelganger, right? Um, and I love, this in the, I love this in the Greek. Um, it says, but he himself insisted, I am the man. This, this word insisted, it kind of means that it's an active indicative, but it, it means that something stirred in him when he was hearing people talk about this. Like, is he the guy? Maybe he's not the guy, whatever. And he was so stirred up, he had to say something. And so he said, it was me. I'm that guy. I was blind and now I'm not. It's me. And it's personal. No one can take it away from him. You might, you might be able to question it. You might argue with it. But you can't take it away from him. It's his experience that he had with Christ. And that's true for all of us. If you've had an experience with Christ, people might argue. They might want to poke questions about the Bible. They might want to do other things. But the bottom line is, your experience and transformation with Christ, that's your story. And it's personal. And you can hold on to that because it was you and Jesus together. It says, how then were your eyes open, they asked. 
So he said, and I love this, he does this three times, hang with me, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. I love this, he hasn't seen Jesus yet. He met him, but he's never seen Jesus until after all this. But he had never seen Jesus, so he just says, ah, the guy they called Jesus, you've heard of him? He put mud on my eyes and told me to go, to, go and wash it off. So I went and washed, and then I could see. That's his personal story. I was there, now I'm here. I went and washed, and now I see. The Pharisees heard about this. These were the spiritual leaders of the day, and they wanted to question him because they didn't like what Jesus was doing, and he had healed this man on the Sabbath day. So they were trying to, trying to trick him, trying to get him. And so the Pharisees pulled this guy into a room, and, and they, uh, they asked him, so how did you get sight again? And he just simply says the same thing. Jesus put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and now I see. It's not complicated, just my story. It's who I am. The Pharisees don't like this answer. They bring in his parents, <laughs> and they sit down with his parents. I, lo I love this story. They sit down with the parents, and they question the parents. Is this really your son? Y yeah, yeah, we've met him before. Um, and was he blind uh, growing up? Yeah, yeah, that was a thing in our home. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they don't get what they want out of the parents, so they bring, the boy, they bring him back in. A second time, they summon the man who had been blind, and they're, and they're frustrated. Give glory to God by telling the truth. We know this man is a sinner, speaking about Jesus. I love this. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. Look, I, I don't know if I can explain everything about Jesus. I, I don't know all that. But one thing I do know, and it goes right back again, I was blind, but now I see. I was there, now I'm here. And it's all because of this Jesus guy. You can call him whatever you want. You can question whatever you want. But his personal story is, I was blind, now I see. It reminds us, many of you have heard the old hymn, John Newton, who wrote it in 1779, Amazing Grace. Many of us have heard the song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am. Okay, here comes the part. I was blind, but now I see. There you go. You've heard the song. So, he uses the same concept, the same story. I was there, now I'm here. That's the personal story. It's not complicated. And when we share it, we reveal the power of God and how personal it is in our lives. I wonder, too, for many of us, could you articulate that? I once was blank, but now I'm blank. I, what, what would you say? I know for me personally, I once was without identity or without a purpose in my life. But when I met Jesus, I found out I'm a treasure of his called by him. Oh, man. If you wanted to ask about what that meant, like I could go into details more about that. But I wonder if you could articulate that, people would want to know more. What, what would you say? I'm going to give you a few minutes, those of you who are joining us online, maybe take just a second and think about what was your life like before? What is it like now? How would you articulate that? For those of you who are here in our campus, do the same thing. I'm going to give you a few that we've had over the years. We got baptism tonight, and uh, these are some statements that people have made in the past that they've let us know. I once lived in fear, and now I have hope. I once was skeptical, and now I have knowledge and faith. I once was lost and alone, 
but now I know I'm a child of God. This is a good one. I once was a half-baked follower, but now I'm desiring to walk in faith. Think about that for a second. If you're online, maybe put in the comments your statement. I once was, and now I'm. What has your experience with Jesus been like? For those of you who are here, I wonder if you would turn, if you've got someone close to you, maybe you're here with family, just turn to one person and give them your statement. I'm gonna give you a second. What would your statement be? If you've experienced the miracle of salvation in your life, this should be something that you own. This is your story. It's personal. And I want to encourage you to share it because sharing this story is powerful, it's personal, and I also think it's persuasive. I think people want to hear it and they want to know more about what God can do in their lives. The story goes on in John chapter 9. It says, They asked him, What did he do to you? That is the Pharisees. How did he open your eyes? Again, I can't explain it all, right? He did, that's what he's thinking. And he answered, I've told you already, and you didn't listen. Do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Oh, what a great question, right? This is where the persuasion comes in, and I don't even think he intended it necessarily, but for this man who had experienced this powerful move of God in his life, he was like, I know what he did for me. I know what he's done for others. What do you want him to do for you? What are you going to do with this, Jesus? Do you want to become his followers too? Well, needless to say, the passage tells us the Pharisees are pretty upset by this question, so they kick him out of the temple. They kick him out of the meeting, tell him to get lost. It says that Jesus finds out that they've kicked him out and so he finds him and Jesus walks up to this man who's now seeing and he says, do you believe in the son of man? And the blind man says, I, I don't know. I don't know him. And Jesus says, I am, I am he. And the man says, I believe. And the scriptures say he believed and worshiped him. He became a follower of Jesus because God transformed his life. Through his experience with Jesus and seeing Jesus, his life was radically changed. And he's just simply asking the question, he did this for me, he's done it for others. What do you think he can do for you? It's a great question. It reminds me of the Apostle Paul when he stands before Agrippa in Acts 26. He's being accused of things and they give him opportunity to share and he shares his story. I used to, I used to kill Christians. I used to uh, go after them and try to arrest them and, and then I met Jesus on the road to Damascus and he changed me. And since then, I've been following him. I've been obedient to him and we've been traveling the Roman world and we've been telling people the powerful story about Jesus. And Agrippa says to him, do you think that in such a short time, just sharing your story, do you think that you can persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul replied, short time or long, don't matter. I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these chains. I pray that everyone who hears my story would hear the story of God would hear his story of how powerful he is, how personal he can become, and how he wants to change the world. Sharing your story 
is sharing God's story. People, we, we share stuff all the time. We, we don't hold back through social media. We, why is it that we hold back when it comes to sharing our story? Is it because we think we have to explain it all? I'm not sure. But simply put, the blind man was like, I was there, now I'm here. I was blind, now I see. And for you and I, if we can learn to articulate just that simple story and then be able to ask people to ask questions, well, what does that mean? And how did your life change? And what happened? I believe more people want to know. I I met with one of the individuals on my Frank list a week ago and we were having lunch together and I, I wasn't holding back. And I just told him, like, I believe that you're going to make a decision someday. I believe that uh, he's living with some shame right now and that he's not met his uh, parents' expectations or others' expectations. And I said, man, God does not see you that way. He loves you. And I said, one of these days, you're going to realize I'm not going to change until I make a decision to follow Jesus. And when you make that change, then that will come. You'll begin to experience the power of God in your life. And he kind of somewhat laughed it off. So we left the conversation. Two days later, he texted me and he said, you know, I'm not sure I'm ready to join the flock is what he said. (laughs) But I think it's possible and I think you and I should have more conversations. And I thought to myself, (laughs) ha ha. What do you think the Spirit's been doing in his life? (laughs) Two days, he had been mulling that around and thinking about it. He knows my story. He knows the story. It's what Jesus has done for me. It's what he's done for others. What do you want to do with Jesus? People, we have to be bold enough to be able to share. If we're praying for others, if we believe God is moving in their lives, there's no reason why we can't share our experience with God and invite them to experience the same. Because when we share our story, we are sharing God's story. So here's the challenge. Find somebody in your family, somebody that you trust. Maybe it's kids that you've never expressed your whole transformation and what God did in your life. Uh, Maybe it's a spouse and they know your story, but take some time to articulate that together and just see if you can come up with that statement And then after you have that statement down, here's what I want you to do. Begin to pray, ask God to open the door, and maybe sit down with someone on your Frank list, someone you're praying for. You might even say, hey, look, I was at church this week. Pastor said this is a challenge. I'm supposed to share this with somebody. Would you be willing to listen to what I've got to say? Don't put the pressure on them, but just allow them to hear what it is that God has done in your life. Share your story with someone on your Frank list. That's the challenge. Because when we share our story, we share God's story. Last thing. Tonight we have baptism at 5 o'clock at North Beach Park in Ferrysburg. We're paying for parking. If you're coming in, it's at 5 o'clock. We're going to have dinner, packaged meals for everyone. We've got worship, testimonies, and baptism. The testimonies are the part you're going to hear and you're going to see people whose lives have been transformed by the power of God. People, this is a time for us to celebrate and we want you to be a part of this. But how amazing would it be that the next time we do baptism, you would have people on your Frank list who would have their own story that they're ready to share with the world. 
That's what we pray for. That's what I pray for. But it begins when you and I start it. So we need to pray for the boldness that we can share our story with others to see people come to Christ. Amen? Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for just the stories, Lord. We know that there's only like 52 days in the life of Christ that were ever even told in the Gospels. But this is one of those stories because you wanted us to know what it's like to personally experience a miracle and the power of transformation that comes only from Jesus. But Lord, that was not just true for that man. It is true for each and every one of us who have come to know you as our Savior. You have transformed our lives. You've brought healing. You've brought hope. You've brought new life that is not something we have created. It is by grace that we have been saved. God, I pray that you would give us the boldness in the coming weeks and throughout our lifetime to be able to share the powerful, personal, and persuasive story that you have given each and every one of us. Let people hear what you have done and what you can do. We pray this in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, amen.